Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond, and their biggest challenges during the first three phases of building their software. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you can think of us as your outsource CTO because we've got 20 years of development, entrepreneur, and business experience to help keep your project from ending up in the software graveyard. We specialize in software as a service and software startups. Contact us at onestop.io and we can spec out your project today. Uh, today, I have CEO and founder Amar Ghosh of ZenMade. Amar founded ZenMade in 2015 and slowly grew to a leader in the cleaning space. Today, we'll talk to Amar about how he came up with the idea, funded his MVP, and navigated his way from zero to 30 to reach his software big break. How are you today, Amar? I'm doing great. I mean, it's, it's quarantine, you know. It's, yeah. World, the world's a different, different place right it now, sure but it's, uh, it's, it's cool. There have yeah. been a lot more opportunities like this to, uh, to catch up with, uh, with old friends and everything that we, we obviously go, go a long way back. And, you know, that, that's actually been really, really nice that just everyone's a bit just slower right Slowing now. Slowing down. Know? That's right. That's yeah. right. That's, that's right. Why don't you tell me um, a bit about yourself? Um, you tell me a bit about ZenMade and what specific problem you solve for your customers. They're obviously <clears throat> cleaning services. Um, but why don't you just give us a quick background? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I founded ZenMade in 2013 with my business partner, Arun. And we did that. Um, we came across this course, the foundation followed sort of that like model and started the, um, started the company after digging into the problems of maid service owners. So previous to that, I had actually run my own maid service, not very well, but I had okay. run it. Um, and I had experience with it and we had sort of built our own sort of in-house like technology that honestly wasn't great, but it got the job done. Uh, and so, you know, Arun approached me to, uh, to, to partner on this. And at the same time, I was doing tech sales, right? So I'd worked for a company in San Francisco and was selling, um, you know, SaaS products to, uh, to companies. And so that was why my friend had wanted to partner with me on this. And essentially what we found was that for made services, every single made service on the planet has one thing in common. And that's not actually 
that like they even clean well or like do a good job. But every maid service on the planet has to have a schedule. They have to know where they need to be and when and what actually needs to get job on every single like um, what needs to get done on every single job. And essentially, we provide a solution for that. So some people will use pen and paper. Some people will use a whiteboard. Some people will use, uh, you know, scheduling software like Zenmate or one of our competitors. Or you have Google Calendar and you have a wide variety um, in between. But globally, like every single cleaning company they has to have do that. And, yeah. Yeah. And okay. we, we provide just a very specialized solution to, uh, to managing that. And then our differentiation, uh, what we've sort of developed into like over time is we try to take all of that information that every maid service has to be managing for their schedule. And we try to automate as many things in their business um, as possible around that sort of like core foundation. And so, you know, if you're interested, we can talk about that a bit more like later in like in the conversation, but that that's sort of our differentiating like point. That's why people use us instead of like pen and paper. Okay, okay, great. So um, is Arun still with you? Uh, no, Arun exited the business maybe four years ago, three, four years ago. So I very much feel like a solo founder like these days. But I mean, we've been in business for seven years now. So he was with us for the first like four years. Um, he was, you know, first like groomsman at my wedding. Like we're, we're still very, okay, very yeah. close. Um, and he still has a large like ownership. Of oh, he the does. Company. Okay. So he, yeah. So he acts more as an investor that he's actually helped us uh, in quite a few, like quite a few situations, but day, day to day, he's no longer working in the business. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. So, so take me back to the beginning. Um, you mentioned yeah. you had your own cleaning business and a service. Was it a calendar at that time? The service, uh, the, the business that you had or no? Well, so the one that I had was I had an actual main service, right? So okay. I, so, you, was, so you knew, so you didn't have us when you started the foundation and I'll quickly just say to any listeners yeah. that don't have no idea what the foundation is. It's a software that, um, this, uh, Dane Maxwell, who's, um, basically the founder of it and his friends with Amar and I, um, he started the software and it basically walked you through how to start a SaaS business. And I, I think he sort of moved away from that because he figured that SaaS is pretty difficult to, to start. Uh, I think that was one of the challenges he found out with the students. But a number of the students from those early days be ended up building very successful SaaS businesses. And of course, you're one of them. Um, so yeah. that's what that is. So, so why don't you walk through... Um, uh, you, why, so you obviously picked the main cleaning service because you felt like you knew it. Is that right? But did you sort of investigate other niches as well? And why did you end up settling with uh, main cleaning services? So I was talking to someone about this yesterday. I'm forgetting who it was, but yes, essentially I, I followed the foundation and we actually avoided doing idea extraction and like doing customer development with the cleaning industry because we thought that my previous involvement there would be like a crutch for us, right? Would lead us to make, you know, like inoptimal like decisions or whatever, which looking back was very silly. And I think we figured that out quite quickly was that most people had no interest in talking to me when we tried to contact lawyers and doctors and stuff like that. You know, we were both pretty young, like what I was 20, 
four at the time when we started this, I think. And so I just didn't have like much, you know, professional experience. I wasn't bringing much to the table with like with these conversations and stuff. And as soon as we switched over to maid services and started calling maid services and they were getting on the phone with another maid service owner, even though I'd already like moved on from my maid service, uh, that clearly struck a chord with like our future customers. And so that was sort of how we ended up on it. But yeah, we, we actually tried quite a few other, other industries first and uh, it, didn't, it didn't go so well. I think it would go a lot better now, but I was just too new at the time. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. So, um, you start, so you felt a lot more comfortable talking to these, uh, uh cleaning owners, um, because you were one yourself. And so it was easier for your outreach. Um, when, when you would, but you didn't do ID extraction with them or you did. So we, we half did cause like the whole thing was that we already had an idea that by the time we'd moved to this, like, you know, we'd already talked through the idea of building a scheduling software for maid services. And we had just decided that we didn't want to pursue that without looking at other things first in other industries. So when we came back to maid services, honestly, Arun started coding on this as I was doing idea extraction calls. And so we essentially shifted a little bit that initially we thought we were going to do like more of like a booking form software that had a scheduler behind it. And the idea extraction calls really changed it from, from that into it's a scheduling tool and the booking form is like an add on feature. Right. So there were important things that we learned from it, but we, we half did it. We half didn't, you know? Okay. So, but you, so it sounds like you sort of bypassed the, the idea extraction and moved right into sort of validation. Um, so is that what you're getting on? Is like, I'm a, I'm like, I'm an owner of a maid cleaning service. I have this problem. Do you also have it? That's sort of yeah, what that doing. was definitely, yeah. that was definitely more, more the approach that I tried to be more like open and, and, uh yeah just just like open to other ideas and to other things that they needed that they needed help with and stuff but honestly the conversation went down that path a lot because because we thought we'd already identified the problem so like we try to listen to their overall problems but at some point we would pretty pointedly ask like how do you solve your scheduling right now? And like, are you happy with that, with that like solution? At some point the conversation would get there. Okay. So it was definitely more validation. Okay, great. And so once you figured out that was a problem, Arun is already coding, uh, just out of curiosity, what stack do you guys, uh, what stack are you on? We use Ruby, um, and Ruby on rails for the back end. Uh, yeah, for, for, for the back end and for mobile, we're doing everything in React or React Native because we, uh-huh. have, we have mobile apps now. Um, okay. that, that's from like maybe 2018. Okay. Okay, great. So, um, so, so Arun is starting to code this. Um, did you collect pre-sales? Um, we, so no. So we were already working on it quite a bit. We made, I think, one pre-sale that one person paid us $1,000 over like a four-month period for like lifetime access to the software. But at that point, we already had a prototype to show her that okay. we, it wasn't ready for her to use. But I mean, we, we had gone pretty far into the process before we were like asking for, for money and stuff. Um, 
which I think was helpful in terms of just like my, like my mentality that I feel like I was much more comfortable being on the phone than connecting with a lot more people and not asking for money yet. But I mean, that was in large part because we had already started working on it. So it yeah. didn't really matter um, that I really took that time more to build up relationships with a lot of maid service owners so that when we had the software ready, a lot more people were willing to check it out and to give it a go. Okay, great. So you were sort of, while Arun was um, developing, you're kind of going out, networking, building a list of like potential beta users with the idea um, that, that, that as soon as the software is ready, you would get like, let's say 10 or 15 beta users that would come on and kind of pay some sort of monthly and give you uh, like feedback. Because presumably the, the idea was still pretty, like the MVP was still probably raw and not fully fleshed out. Um, was that the idea then to sort of get those 15 users or, or walk me through your whole sort of launch? Yeah, that was pretty much exactly it. So that's kind of where I've like naturally, where, where I feel like I naturally like excel. So I, I just spent a bunch of time building our network and just building relationships with maid service owners ahead of time um trying to think uh in in the six or so months that i think that arun was building the software before we got paid i probably talked to a couple hundred maid service owners i would okay. say and even with that it was still pretty challenging to get people like on board and to and to, to try the, uh, the the software and everything but yes that, that that was exactly like the strategy was to just to talk to those like to those people and then when the software came out and we had a prototype was to be uh you know showing them some of like we didn't really truly do mock-ups so most of the time by the time we could show them something it was already like built but maybe like wasn't like fully like ready to go but we were showing this to people like as we were going and all of that and um yeah i mean that that's how we got the first the first couple customers for sure okay great so um uh how how did you pay a rune to to build this or was it just kind of a time trade no it was a time trade so we were 50 50 partners on it right okay. so we we came up with the idea and like everything was like equal from like from the beginning um he was obviously cto because he's the one that was actually building like everything and in the beginning we were we were kind of like both sort of like co like ceo or whatever yeah but that very like quickly quickly changed probably I would say less than like less than a year in, it became very clear that like he was going to focus just on like on, on the product and on the technology and really anything that wasn't the technology was like, if there was a team that needed to be built then I was going to be the one building the team. And that's when I sort of took over the CEO uh, like, like role, but we, Arun didn't pay himself, I think for three years on Zenmade. I started paying myself after, after two years, I think, but we, yeah. we did this while working full-time like jobs. So we had, we had like our expenses covered and stuff and we okay. just put everything that we made in Zenmade went back into the business uh, pretty much un until I uh, quit in 2015 and started, started like traveling the world. Okay. All right. So that, that, that helps me. So the sort of you guys are working full jobs, you had Zen made as a side hustle um, and you're sort of pumping any, any cash that you needed would go, presumably it was mostly going to marketing at that point for during the yeah, first few exactly. years. 
Okay. Exactly. Um, and what was the first two years like? So how long, where were you at when you were able to leave your first job? Uh, for leave your job to go full time. Like, what what was the revenues during the first two years? So, before I answer this question, I just want to say that for everyone listening, that everyone is at a very different point, like in their lives, and like I do not recommend doing what I did. So um, you have to be young and crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, we were we were making we were making about ten thousand dollars a month. Uh, maybe a little bit less than that, maybe like $8,000 a month, like as a company. And when I left my day job, I was actually paying myself $1,000 a month from ZenMade. And yeah. I was living in San Francisco, or I was living like an hour south of San Francisco and commuting, commuting into San Francisco every day, like to work. And I was just looking at like my bank account and just thinking that, you know, you know, even though I'm in San Francisco and everything, like my expenses are so high that yeah. I'm not actually putting money away on like a monthly, you know, or yearly basis. I've been here for three years and I have nothing like to show for it. You know, I'm, I'm just going to like make a go at this. And so I essentially quit this job that I was, that I was working, um, found a subletter to take over my lease for the following, the following month and uh, just moved to Thailand and was paying myself a thousand dollars a month. And in, in Thailand, that's like, that's enough to, uh, to, to get by. And I was working on the business like full time at that point for a thousand dollars a month for what nine months maybe about nine months I think until Arun joined me and did did like the same the same thing. Okay, so so um, at that time was um, at that time Zenmei was still making. How, what was the MRR when you were in Thailand? Do you remember? Uh, I'm trying to actually find that on my Twitter feed because I'd actually looked up the numbers at some point because someone had asked me. I was trying to look that up while uh, while we and were approximations before. is fine too. Yeah, yeah. We, um, I mean, it took us almost three years to get to ten thousand dollars a month, if I remember correctly, and then from there, uh, I mean, so so essentially, we've essentially doubled every single year our like recurring uh revenue we've we've essentially doubled and doubled like the amount that we've made um that we've made annually we just started out at a really really low amount so yeah um yeah when i left the u.s we we're making about ten thousand dollars a month a year later we were making about about twenty thousand dollars um we just had one really big hiccup right around 18k that we hit like 18.5 and then dropped back down to 15 which was absolutely terrifying and then from there we've really just skyrocketed until until covid you know came in and wiped out half the business so you know fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> roller coaster right <laughs> oh yeah yeah well yeah. it wasn't a roller coaster until like yeah. a month and a half ago yeah, it was yeah. so consistent <laughs> <laughs> so so tell me what was the what was the um what were you using to get things going from like zero to let's break it down to zero and five thousand yeah. if you can remember was that sounded like it was just hustling on the phone yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for, for zero, zero to five K. So one thing is that, you know, my story is very much going to be from the lens of like the salesperson or the marketer, right? That I'm, you know, the non-technical founder and CEO. So everything for me, when I think about these, these revenue ranges, to me, it's all about what was happening on the sales and the marketing side. Um, you know, just because even if we had a better product, 
people still have to find that product, right? So yeah. zero to 5K, we're very much following the foundation uh, model that we essentially just scraped uh, contact information from Yelp, and then we were reaching out to people with cold email to try to connect with them, to jump on a call, um, you know, sometimes offering them, you know, like, a, you know, a lead magnet or like a piece of content that we had like that we had created and stuff. Yeah. And then um, I also, um, I also uh, did quite a bit of cold calling, but most of the cold calling was following up with the people that we were emailing, right? So, so like cold calling and cold emailing were like, two sides of the same, like the same campaign. Yeah. But given that that was my natural skill set, that's definitely what I focused on in the beginning. Uh, and then during that time, right towards the end of that time, when we were probably getting around maybe seven or 8K a month, I think, um, not seven or 8K, we were getting around probably uh, like 4K a month, around there. Uh, one of the cold calls that I made essentially led to a big partnership for us and that partnership was one of the things that took us like through that like threshold and into the next like level of going from 5k to like to 15k that was where partnerships and content marketing began to play like a bigger part okay so so tell me about that partnership how what was the partnership and and um how did that help you the partnership was with Sharon Tinberg. She's a consultant. She's been in the cleaning industry for a long time. She has like, you know, business in a box type programs that I think are about $2,000. And she's worked with a lot and she's helped a lot of maid service owners, you know, over the years and stuff. And so we joined her LinkedIn group and I gave her a call thinking that she was a maid service owner that had like a following. I didn't realize that, you know, she like actually had a business around this stuff. And essentially, we jumped on a call with her and, uh, and, and, you know, we just had like a nice, like a nice conversation. I was just sort of introducing myself and just letting her know, like how we were trying to help people in the industry and all of that. And yeah. she goes, oh, hey, like, you know, I'd like to look at the software that you guys are working on. I actually, I've been endorsing another software company and honestly, like, you know, I don't feel listened to at all by like, by the guy. It's just like, you know, I, I essentially like you know, refer him people and he'll sometimes like give me a check or whatever, but there's no thank you. There's no nothing like there's no like real relationship like yeah, there. Yeah, and yeah. so I essentially, you know, I talked to her about some of the stuff that she would want to see uh, essentially did idea extraction upon her or customer development upon her of like, Hey, you know, you're a consultant. Like what would you want to see in a software that would make you comfortable recommending it to your clients? Right. Yeah. That's like, a, you know, I like yeah. looking back on it. I wish I had done that with a lot more people with a lot bigger names in the industry. Like yeah. early on, it would have been helpful, but essentially she talked to us about some stuff and one of the big things that she wanted was customized work orders so that when when her clients use our software to send their cleaners the details of the work they had to do she wanted it to have like all of these variables you know for them to fill out based on what she like taught and of course those are just custom fields and everything but we didn't have custom fields in the software at the time and so arun stayed up all night coding this in and yeah. then we came to her with a prototype like the next day and, and was like, Hey, like how cool would it be if like the software, you know, allowed all of your clients to send this automatically. And she looked at it and was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. And she probably must've referred us 50 clients at least I would say like after really? that, that was over wow. a couple year period. Yeah. But 
yeah, that was our first first partnership. Okay, so um, so so you got fifty customers from that, and then you're obviously on the track. Like, whoa, we need to find partners. Is that what happened for you? Is that kind of the? So no, actually, I um, I don't know what the hell I was I was thinking. Um, you know, looking back on it, I think it was like it was quite. Yeah, quite quite silly because that seems like the obvious thing to do. But honestly, that's not that's not really what we did until very very recently that we've really focused on like on the partnership like marketing. Um, we just sort of kept a nice relationship with her and then just went about our business and went back to focusing on paid marketing. That paid marketing has been like the one constant throughout the life of like of the business. Um, and we just continued focusing on like the paid marketing and content marketing. And it was probably like two or three years later that we really began to take like partnership marketing seriously. And now it's like, it's huge for us. Okay. But, you know, we had that big win with her and it didn't yeah. even occur to me what it was didn't happening. Really, I just thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of like a one-off, <clears throat> one-off, but um, how has the paid marketing worked for you? Has that been, has that been successful for you? Cause uh, that, I, a lot of SaaS um, companies have a challenge with that because you know your your ad spend could be say fifteen thousand a month or something like that, but you know on a little fifty dollar item, it it's hard to to make that back. Um, you know, and let's say your lifetime value may be two thousand dollars, but I mean when when you're when you've got your ad spend so high, it's hard. Sometimes it can be hard for for. Uh, you know, for paid advertising, how have you made it work? Yeah. So, I mean, paid advertising definitely isn't, isn't for everyone, but I think that for, I think it could work for the vast majority of SaaS companies, particularly if you just think about yourself as being like, if, if you, I mean, particularly if you're, if you're very niche, if you're very niche, then yeah. I think that paid marketing <clears throat> can work for really any like SaaS company, as long as like, you know, it's an identifiable niche, like online yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So we've been very successful with a low, like with a low, like price point. And so what we do is, well, okay. So actually, so, so one, one thing that I just see all the time is people go, Oh, like I tried Facebook marketing and it didn't work for me. And their idea of trying Facebook marketing is they put up like a, you know, try my software for free for 14 days. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's essentially like the ad. And you know, yeah. it's just like, when's the last time that you were just scrolling Facebook and you saw a graphic and some guy going, try my stuff and you're like, okay, I'm going to try it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. that, that, that never yeah. happens. Right. Yeah. So we focus a lot more on like relationship building and stuff. So there's like a couple of things, right? So we built up the software initially by doing paid marketing on Google. So people yeah. search for made service software or made software or made scheduling software. And there's a bunch of keywords that our audience actually searches for. So that's like the easiest way, the lowest hanging fruit to just Was get the content. Started. So you did the SEO stuff? Well, no, no, I just paid for it because I didn't oh, want okay. to do the SEO stuff. Okay. So I just, I just paid for it, right? Okay. So we rank or we, we show up really high if you type in made service software into Google. And so we did that. We also found directories. So the other thing that we did was if you type in your primary keyword for your software. So for us, again, that's made service software. You can see which review directories rank really well 
for your category. And so for us, that's Captera. And so we went to Captera and found out they have an advertising program. We figured out what category we're in. We're very lucky because they actually have a made software category, which most of the directories don't. And we paid for advertising on there. So we started out paid advertising with people that have very direct interest in the software, but then we've expanded into Facebook and into LinkedIn and onto other like networks where we can't just find people that are directly searching for uh, for made service software. And so with those, what we do is we have essentially content marketing funnels. So we have uh, a couple pieces of content that are out there that get people's attention. We have a, a ton of content that people come to our site to read. But then once they do that, we retarget them on Facebook, we retarget them on LinkedIn, try to get them to give us their email address. Okay. Once they give us the email address, we start showing them different ads, either for our software or for case studies, or we try to sell them info products. And so what we've actually done is for every $5,000 that Zen made spends on paid advertising, we make back about $1,000 on info product sales. And then we make money on the software behind that. Okay. And so on, on, our, on the marketing side, our constant challenge right now is actually how to sell more info products so that that pays for all the software marketing. Okay. So, yeah, there's a couple, couple different things like there that we've, like, that, that we've done. But yeah, essentially, if you're, if you're marketing to a very specific niche, you should be able to put together a profitable paid ads funnel if you combine it with a couple other things. Okay, that's it. Okay, that sounds um, that sounds very helpful. I think uh, um, when when you're at so you're at this point where you're sort of fifteen thousand. Um, yeah. uh, what was you're still using paid advertising as your main channel? And you mentioned content marketing. When you say content marketing, you're using that to supplement the paid advertising, or are you focusing on SEO uh, specifically and trying to? To really rank for, I mean, would you say you're you're more of a paid advertising guy, or are you more of an SEO guy? More paid advertising. Okay. I I think paid advertising is the is 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 the way to go. Um, is it yeah, paid search I, I, or just all of it? Just you like it all. All all of it. Okay. I really like the idea of BA. To me, it simplifies the business in my head when I know that I have like these funnels that work right because like the funnels are going to work because of human psychology like yeah. i know that if someone is interested in this piece of content then we can show them this lead magnet you know about hiring and then we can sell them this product or we can approach them about the software in this way to get them to convert and so being able to essentially put more traffic into the funnel by by just saying i'm just willing to pay more money to me, that puts me very much in control of the business and, and of the growth. And then also as paid advertising channels stop working, you can just, you know, figure out where are the eyeballs going, you move it to the next channel, but the same psychology still works. To me, if you build a business on SEO, you know, you might get penalized by Google and all of your growth disappears overnight. And with paid advertising, as long as you're not doing anything illegal, I just feel very much more in control okay. of like ZenMade's trajectory because of that. Okay. Okay. That totally makes sense. So um, when was the, how long did it take for you to, to dial in um, the paid advertising uh, in, um, at this time? Because it sounded like you were sort of going like this, you plateaued 
2016, sort of 2017, it sounded like you're sort of at a plateau. What was the big break for you that you felt like you got? Was it paid advertising? And, and if it was paid advertising, what, you know, how long did that take you? And was there something that sort of just clicked yeah. for you? Well, so to be completely honest, no, like there was nothing that just, that just like clicked for us. Um, there, there was one significant event that really like changed things like for us. But the main thing here is that honestly, it was just doing the work and sticking with it, that there was no single thing that just changed the trajectory of the business. It's that we, we never really plateaued. We just grew very slowly, right? Oh, okay. that in the course okay. of the business, we never really lost money. Um, like we never really lost or like went down in MRR on a month to month basis with the exception of that incident I'm about to tell you about. And then now with like with COVID. So we've essentially just always grown very, okay. very steadily. Um, okay. And so with the paid advertising, again, it's, you know, paid advertising is a huge spectrum of things. So right. Google ads have always worked well for us and Captera has always worked well for us. And we just grew very consistently by just putting a okay. little bit more money every single month. Okay. Facebook was a hard one. Facebook was very difficult to get the retargeting funnel, the content set up, all of that stuff. We didn't really solve that problem until maybe two or three years ago. And again, the trajectory has just absolutely taken off since we figured out sort of that, like that content marketing funnel. But the big thing that really changed for us was we essentially did a redesign of the software. I don't know if you heard about this um, or if you're following me like on, on Facebook at the time, but we essentially did a redesign of the software and probably spent $60,000, $70,000 like developing out this new version of ZenMade, um, worked on it for like a year. And essentially we, we expected there to be some bugs. We took it live and essentially critically took down our software from like Monday until Thursday. Uh -huh. And we're like the critical scheduling system for our customers. So we proceeded to lose like 34% of our existing uh, customers okay. so that's the, in the following okay. like six months. Oh, right? uh, okay. But that, that's where we really like went down. But the truth is that that actually really saved the business that at that point, like we were beginning to get taken a lot more seriously and people that went in and saw the software had a hard time comprehending that like the company they were hearing about had this horrific software. And so like we launched that redesign absolutely terribly. And like, you know, it was a very, very bad situation and cost us a lot of money. But in the long run, that new redesign was absolutely the best thing, not only for the business, but for all of our customers that stayed with us. And so in a lot of ways, it saved the business. And since okay. there was when we began to get a bit more of the- Once, you, once you had worked out the bugs. So it sounds like, um, it sounds like the, the new software was, I mean, what it was just buggy? I mean, everyone loved the, the interface, was designed beautifully, and the UI was good, but it was just buggy. Why did people, why were people leaving? So, I mean, essentially it was non-functional, that there were, that there were problems with it. So that the main one that actually, that, that like, if I had realized that this was the main problem earlier, I could have, I could have like saved our customers so much pain, but we added in the ability for when the mouse hovered over an appointment, it would pop up with more information about that appointment without the person having to click. And so if I remember correctly, what it was, there was a combination of problems. So 
that hadn't been accounted for before like we took this live. So I guess when people were hovering the mouse, however it was pulling the information from the back end, apparently it was just like the worst possible way that we could do it. So like the servers were getting overloaded oh, with requests. Okay, I, I get okay. the feeling probably it was like if you went move the mouse over six appointments it would try yeah. to load all six of like that uh, i see okay but then then what happened was it would pop up and then it wouldn't disappear unless they refreshed the page and it was losing information like i mean it was just it was it was just filled with errors so it took yeah. us like four days to get everything like back operational to make sure the right data was in the right places and that it still had the new ui and ux yeah. and all of that yeah. it was just it was terrible it was <laughs> yeah was, I, was I, there I, a rune still with you at this time was it was that um, so <laughs> so I've, I've talked about this incident in in depth on uh, on on uh, like two two other podcasts that just yeah. went like completely like in 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 depth into this but um but essentially what happened was the reason that this went so terribly was that we had maybe six months before this arun had said or like three months before this arun had said hey you know, honestly, like, you know, our, our freelance developer, Alex, is doing pretty much all the work, like, on this, this redesign. I'm, like, making the decisions and guiding him, but we're getting to the point where I've made all of the technical decisions. So he's really just asking me about where buttons need to go and UI, like, UX type stuff that, like, honestly, you know the customers better than I do. Most of these questions, I'm just asking you and playing the middleman. Do you want to take over, like, managing, like, Alex? And so I took over managing Alex. Well, that very quickly became Arun actually stepping out of the business. Okay. So... Essentially, what happened with this was um, was Alex, who was doing all of the work on the redesign, when he was telling me that, like, oh, you know, it's ready to go, we can take it live, there's going to be some bugs, but we can deal with it and stuff, he thought that all of his code was still being reviewed by Arun, uh, right? Okay, but okay. it wasn't, and yeah. so essentially, that's, like, what caused the problem, and we didn't actually realize that for a long time, that, like, at this point, we were still quite like immature in a lot of like business ways. And like yeah. Alex didn't actually know that Arun was no longer working day to day, like in Zen. Maybe we somehow just, just missed her. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, okay. and that's like, you know, yeah. one of the downsides of having a remote team. You know, remote team. Yeah. Like, There's you know, communication yeah, stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So th what, what was, what was nice about it was that, um, was that, um, Arun was actually like on, not like on call, but we had let him know that we were thinking about doing this. He had advised, advised against it. And then what, like, going live? It went, what do you mean yeah, by going yeah. live? Okay. Yeah. But when, when we actually like pulled the trigger and did it, it was a couple weeks later, like I'd listened to his concerns and stuff and we'd like tried to address like some of them or whatever. And when we actually took it live, he very quickly got a message from Alex going, Hey, you know, we just took this live. We're running into a couple of like of errors and Arun logs in and goes, Oh shit. Like this is not a couple of errors guys. Like everything is on fire right now. So, so him and Alex 
probably spent 12 or 14 hours after that, just working the two of them like around the clock. Yeah. Right? And I was asleep when this all started. <laughs> oh, so I, I woke up like six or seven hours into this and then spent the entire rest of the day with two team members that I was with in person at the time, just doing damage control. Yeah. Like, yeah. Across yeah. The yeah. Industry. Okay. So, so le- what are the lessons learned with this then? What, what, what was your takeaway? Like, how would you, um, handle, how would you handle that situation now looking back? It sounds like it's obvious just to keep Alex doing code review. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, not there, Alex. Uh, Arun. Arun. Yeah. Arun. Arun, yeah. yeah no, th- there were, there were a lot of things that honestly should have, should have been handled much, like much differently. Um, I almost feel like it's not even really worth touching on because like they're, they're so obvious, but I mean, yeah, like the communication internally was absolutely uh, horrible about this. Uh, You know, now we're set up so that if we were to ever make that sort of significant change, we have um, our operations team or our internal support team that can go through and can manually test the entire software from start to finish for bugs. And we have automated testing in place as well. So we've really taken it to like. Okay. So it took that to to really sort of install the automatic testing and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. So that, that sounds like a, a very valuable lesson. So I understand what, what you mean when you say that saved the company, uh, at that time, then you, so you went like 20 back down to 15. Is that what you're saying? Is that? Yeah. About, yeah. about that. I, I think it was a little bit less than that. It was like eight, 18.5 down to like 16 or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but, and with but that, the, we were just the UI is growth. really nice. The UI is really, it, once you got this cleaned up in three months or whatever, the UI is, is, is clean. And it's like, okay, yeah. now I, now, now people log in from Facebook and say, okay, these, this guy, these guys are for real. This is a serious SaaS company. And is yeah. that sort of a turnaround point for you? Yeah, we, we, when we, when we put in all the money to make that happen, we, um, we we definitely felt that the initial version of the software because we we were at you know 12 14k when we started working on this redesign essentially still with our initial mvp we just didn't believe that that mvp was ever going to be able to scale beyond maybe 25 or 30k it just looked terrible i mean it worked it did the job but it was already going to be facing like that that long um ramp of like of death that like SaaS companies you know talk about right of like it can only get to a certain point before the churn is just going to out, yeah, out yeah. Um, outrun the growth and you know with our current product you know I, I genuinely think that we can get this to like a 10 million dollar a year you know run rate right okay okay um and 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 so um t- t- tell me about Captera I've not used uh, that how do you okay. how does that work how does the Captera advertising work yeah, so that's pretty straightforward. So Captera, if you guys just go to Captera.com, you can look up Zenmate or any other like software or by category. And essentially they just have a, you know, pretty basic directory site that um, that allows people to leave reviews for various software programs. And so made software is one of those categories. One of the things that's like really annoying about Captera um, is that they obviously have like a pretty basic advertising program. So it's not quite it's not quite as good of a user experience as like Google, for example. So what I mean by that is that if you pay them any money at all, 
you will rank above all of the organic listings. So okay. like their sponsored listings will sometimes have 20 sponsored listings before you actually get to see to like organic the organic ones. of like okay. what's the actual best one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially. So it's just basically that, search. It's paid search in Captera, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But but they generate traffic on their own. People know them as like as a review site. And so yeah. we yeah, we just pay for advertising on there. And the I mean, like the, the people that come from there convert very, very well for us because they're you know, they're interested specifically in what we do. And we've also taken the time to send a lot of our customers there to leave us reviews. So I think we're rated five stars with like 150 reviews. And, oh, okay. you know, in a small industry, like the cleaning industry, right? Like there's a lot of cleaning yeah. companies out there, but a maid service owner that, you know, skims through those reviews and goes, okay, there's 150 owners just like me that use this software, yeah. um, you know, specifically, it's, it's quite different than, you know, like Zapier or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So it sounds to me like, um, you're, you're at this point where you're starting to take off. Facebook is working for you. Um, you mentioned, is there any, anything else that you use now? Um, you mentioned partnerships, you went back to partnerships. Uh, how are you using partnerships and what are the, the chief sources of marketing that you focus on aside from paid advertising, which we've covered? I very much feel well, I think it's just going to depend for 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 a lot for a lot of people. For for us, for ZenMade, I definitely identified a long time ago that we have the opportunity here to be the giant fish in the quite small pond. So I try to be everywhere, um, okay. really, regardless of sort of what like the numbers say or whatever. Um, that you well within reason, at least on like on the paid advertising. But I mean, we're active on Instagram. We have a community with 5,000 maid service owners that's on Facebook. We have a private customer um, community. We have, you know, paid marketing. We do content marketing, podcast, YouTube channel. Uh, we did the Maid Summit, which is a virtual conference mm -hmm. for maid service owners. And we had yeah. about 2,500 maid service owners that joined us for that. And so that was one of like the partnership marketing, um, you know, events that we did. And we had, I think, 44 industry experts that all gave presentations for like this talk. And so, yeah, we like do all of that. But paid advertising for me is very much a supplement to everything else. Okay. So like we used paid advertising to really multiply the impact that the made summit had right okay. so i don't really look at things sort of like oh we do influence tomorrow we do this it all like plays it in all together. plays into together how how did the made summit go i mean it sounds like that was successful are you you're obviously planning on on doing that is it sort of like a once a year thing it sounds like it's probably a lot of work uh yeah we had a full-time team member that was working on that for 12 weeks i think uh and um and, you know, it still took a lot of my like previous connections and stuff to get the ball rolling on a lot of things. But it was, yeah, it was really good. I mean, we were the talk of the industry for about a week. Uh, pretty much every single group on Facebook had posts about it, had, you know, conversations yeah. going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say it's the best, best marketing piece that we've like ever done. Um, and, and you were mentioning, I remember you mentioning yeah. that you, that you recycled the, um, the, the, the information that you got from that is sort of you continue. So the added benefit was this long tail, like, um, breaking out small pieces of 
of, of someone's keynote speech as a piece of content like throughout the year, right? Yeah, so what, what we did just in a, in a nutshell is we just uh, did like a content repurposing sort of like strategy that was applied very, very directly to the summit stuff. So out of the 44 talks, I think we had 40 of them that were then published to YouTube and then we had them turned into written blog articles, uh, but not just transcripts, right? That we took yeah. the transcripts and actually turned them into written articles, um, sometimes that are on the exact same topic, sometimes it's just one part of it or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, we just released one of those every single week. Uh, we were going to be releasing those all the way until I think May or June this year. But then because of the COVID um, crisis that hit, we just made the rest of it opened up and like and free. Uh, we even sold the replays as well. That was actually pretty cool that anyone that wanted access to all of the replays when the event first finished and didn't want to wait for the content to be like dripped back out if they missed it live, they could yeah. actually just buy like all of the replays. And so we, we made like seven or $8,000 on it and covered our advertising costs and all that. Um, and so this sounds like it's going to be something that you do once a year. Is it going to be a recurring event? Was it, it was really successful for you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, 2,500 people that went through it like live. And like I said, you, know, everyone was like, was talking about it. It's a great add on, you know, people still tell us, you know, now, like almost a year later that they're signing up because they heard about us like through that. Uh, initially it was just something that I was doing. So I thought it'd be cool. And now we should just try it and sort of see like how it went. So it turned into yeah. something much bigger and more successful than I ever could have like really like, you know, imagined or like, or, or hoped for. But at some point while, um, while it was going on enough, people were messaging me and going, Hey, for next year, you should really consider having this person on, you know, and, and like yeah. comments like that, where they were just assuming that uh, we were going to be doing it again next year. And at some point I was like, okay, well, I guess it's an annual thing now, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. everyone's telling me it is. Yeah. What was the <laughs> ROI on it? You um, I don't actually know. I've never really calculated it. That's like the nice thing about like the, the nice thing with something like that is that anyone else in the industry that was trying to pull off an event like that would have to make money on it. But because yeah. we monetize through software, okay, I didn't yeah. care. Like in the beginning, yeah, I was yeah. paying to like to do it. But yeah, I mean, we, we made about $7,000 on sales of the of the maid summit. We put about $2,000 into advertising for it. And then yeah, the, the, the difference, the difference there probably about covered, you know, how much or like mostly covered how much I paid the main person that like that, that, that ran it. So overall, it probably cost us a little bit of money when you take into account like the video editing and the other right, team right. members that had to be like, had to be involved. But I mean, actually here, here's a good thing. So I looked at it like two or three months after we ran the summit and essentially after that went live, essentially every single metric in our marketing funnel was noticeably better for the following like 12 or 16 weeks that we saw mm. like increased trial signups, better conversions, yeah. our okay. turn became lower, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, okay. it was hugely successful, but I don't know yeah. how to assign an exact ROI to it. And, and how are you compensating your, the 42 um, speakers that were coming on were some, so were like, what was the, were you giving them a, um, a revenue share or anything like that or, or yeah. how, no, what was the, no. um, what was the pitch for that? Uh, just my list is bigger than your list. Like, do you want, do you want to get introduced to them? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, so, that's, but, I mean, yeah. So, so, 
that, that's like one of the nice things, right? Is so like, so there, there, so there was a couple of things there, right? So someone that's watching this and, ha and hasn't done this before, hasn't, you know, been in the industry for long, maybe just launched their software, you're going to run into a lot more challenges organizing something like this. For me, I had relationships with the vast majority of the people that were speaking. I mean, out of the 44, I had met like 16 or 17 of them in person at various industry events and stuff. So when we like first put this together, we sent out, I think, 30 invites on like a Saturday night. And when I checked my work inbox on Monday morning, we had 22 confirmed speakers, right? Okay, so like, yeah. you know, the people that I really had to pitch it on, it was like, hey, you know, you know, we're, yeah. we're doing this thing. Our list is already, you know, 10,000 like people that you know are targeted like for your audience and you can speak to them and like show your expertise like for free. Okay. Let us know if you're interested, like yes or no. Okay. By the way, okay, here's 20 sense. other experts that are bigger than you. Yeah, you know? yeah, okay. So an example so, would be someone that's like an expert in SEO that can help me. Is that sort of an, and then someone that, like a copywriter or something like that. Is that sort of the types of guests that you were doing? Uh, well, I tried to get industry specific guests. So okay. I, I did not want to bring someone on to teach maid service owners copywriting if they weren't actually working with maid service owners specifically. And so the idea there is to just make sure that their audiences overlap with my audience. Right. right? Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And it, it depends on how much you're doing, right? Like, you know, if you were just going to do like, oh, you know, it's a one day virtual conference, we're just going to have five speakers and in the like, between these five talks, you're going to learn about everything you need to know about marketing your maid service, then it'd be okay to bring in a copywriter that doesn't work with maid services, but yeah. still teach them the principles, right? It just depends on what you're going for. Okay, great. And, and um, going forward, how are you uh, handling COVID? Are you, are, is, do you have any p plans to um, like try and work through this? Any, any changes that you're having to go through your business right now? Yeah, we got hit pretty hard by uh, by COVID that we we've lost about 25% of the business in probably the past like four or five weeks. So we're getting we're getting hammered pretty, uh, pretty hard right now. Um, we have luckily like just become cash flow positive and had taken out like a loan. So we're doing like, okay, like financially or whatever. Um, the one pivot that we're making is so we're we're still continuing business as normal that really no matter how low this goes we expect the industry will bounce back and when it does you know we want to be like first in line right to yeah. um to help all these people as they you know choose new softwares and all of that stuff um and then the other thing that we've done that we've made a quick pivot on is we've designed a mvp of a new software that can help our users specifically during this time and so we actually pivoted the entire team to work on that um for like a week or so and now okay. it'll take one or two of our developers another couple of weeks to turn that into a reality but the, those are the main things that we're doing and then yeah we pulled back on our paid advertising a little bit we've made a couple of other other adjustments but um 
I know I know a lot of people out there are getting hit a lot harder right. with their businesses than we are. So I'm I'm very grateful for for you know the opportunities that we still have available to us and everything. So the MVP is it going to is it going to live off of ZenMate or is it actually going to be hosted on a different domain and um, different domain it? actually. Okay. We decided to take the opportunity to try something different. This is like one we could have added this in as part of the ZenMade software, but it could also function standalone and functioning standalone, it could really work with any local service business. So I'm actually thinking that like we're sort of like flexing a new muscle here and putting out a new product for the first time like in seven years and that this could actually turn into something nice. I mean, or even the main thing, you know, you, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind telling me how you came up with the idea and what the product is or are you going to wait for the launch? No, no, that's fine. Uh, so the, the, the product is, um, it's like a basic gift card software. So it makes it easy for, uh, for a maid service owner to sign up and to share on social media that they now have a gift card program available with like a link that takes the person to a hosted page, you know, nicely designed yeah. and shows them gift cards that they can buy. And that essentially came out of the fact that we saw quite early on during this crisis that especially the people that got put on lockdown and weren't able to clean or had 80 or 90 percent of their business dry up overnight we saw quite a few people that managed to actually uh lessen the blow there by offering gift okay. cards to i've heard clients. of that too as as yeah. sort of a as sort of a um initiatives like support your local business by exactly. gift cards i saw like emma watson was um you know sort of Host, yeah, you know, exactly. posting about exactly. that yeah. and it and it helps a ton with cash flow issues and stuff and can yeah. allow people to support the business in the future but help the owners now and we looked at it and there's like two softwares or three softwares that we've found that people use in the industry and honestly they're, they're not very good they're easy for us to create something that's better and then yeah. with our expertise with content marketing we think that we can differentiate a lot on the content marketing side so um, yeah, I don't know how deep you want to like get into this, but just, just like, no, no, I just, like, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah. it sounds like it's going to be, it could end up being another SaaS for you, but is it, yeah. the structure is going to be owned by Sendmate. It's in the same company and same mm -hmm. bank account and things like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. But yeah, we just, we think that we can help people like the main, the main thing, the main difference with us and the softwares that are out there is the other softwares are sort of functional. We just think that we can do a better job helping people to actually be successful with gift cards. So making yeah. it easy for them to share it and to get it into other people's hands and to help them to actually convert people so they actually pay for it. Because some of the competitors, it's just like, oh yeah, it's a shopping yeah. cart and it just yeah, looks yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, great. Hey, Amara, I want to thank you for your time. We're coming up on the top of the hour. I really okay. appreciate um, speaking with you and uh, being so frank and open with uh, your your roller coaster ride <laughs> <laughs> as a business owner. We all go through them, but thank you so much. Uh, how can people find you um, on the web? Where, where do you, if anyone resonates uh, with this show, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, definitely. So I think the best thing to do will just be to go to my uh, website, which is the American dream .com. So like the American dream, but okay. my name, A-M-A-R. Like um, and it's just to go there. And then from there, you can find like my Twitter account, my other social media. 
Uh, Twitter is probably the best place to follow me, like social media wise, that uh, okay. particularly if you're listening to this interview and you're, you know, enjoying following like SaaS founders and all of that, that's where I tweet quite a bit um, about just, you know, random stuff that's like that's going on in the business, what we're working on on like a daily basis and uh, some of my random thoughts on marketing and SaaS yeah. funnels and stuff like yeah. that. Okay, great. Thanks so much for, for that. We'll be sure to have all that stuff in the show notes as well for anyone that's listening. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner. <laughs>